everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. My name is Heather Kennison, and I am the founder of Women in Youth Ministry, as well as the host of this podcast. We are taking a break from our Women Teach the Bible series, which the first four episodes are up and are so amazing if you're just now tuning in. So I encourage you to go catch up on them. Today, I have some guests from the Center for Youth Ministry Training's Innovation Lab, who are on the podcast today talk about the special initiative they've been working on for the past few years and how it translates even more over this pandemic. I'd love to introduce Megan Hatcher and Andrew Mockery. So why don't you guys go ahead and say hi and tell us a little bit about who you guys are. Yeah, sure. So I'm so grateful, Heather, to you to um, to letting us be part of this conversation. We're really eager to share what we've learned over the last couple of years with your listeners. So thanks for the opportunity. So my name is Megan Hatcher, and I'm the director of the Innovation Lab. And I've actually only been in this position since June. So I am um, one of the lucky folks who did a major life and job transition in the midst of a pandemic. So, uh, but it's been an exciting few months. And So the CYMT, that's the Center for Youth Ministry Training, was formed in 2006. And the purpose of CYMT is to equip youth ministers to develop theologically informed, practical, and effective youth ministry. So that's our major major focus. And then in 2018, we received a $1.1 million grant from the Lilly Foundation to start the Innovation Lab. And the Innovation Lab, in particular, comes out of this recognition that most everyone, most likely all of the listeners to this podcast would be able to, to say bears out in their own context, is that youth are not as interested in some of the programs that have historically been offered by the church. We recognize that the youth group model, that traditional way that we've tried to meet the needs of youth, isn't as effective for what's going on in today's culture. So in 2018, we got this grant and we launched the Innovation Lab to work with innovation teams from around the country to develop their own responsive, theologically informed, innovative forms of youth ministry. And the real special part of the Innovation Lab's process is that it's focused on meeting the needs of real life teenagers in that unique community, rather than meeting the needs of the church or the needs of parents or the needs of a senior pastor. And we think that's a really important distinction. And then I wanna introduce Andrew Mockery. He's one of our CYMT alumni and he's also one of our lead innovators. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm Andrew Mockery. I'm actually a graduate of CYMT from 2014, uh, and I'm I'm currently located in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, at Central United Methodist Church here in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, I've been a part of the Innovation Lab since uh, the beginning. Um, we applied as as a church and went through the whole process. We had a whole application process that we had to go through. Uh, and through that process, uh, we were selected as one of 10 churches to be kind of on this new journey that they had come up with. And so we, uh, we hopped on and, and it's been fun. We have a, a group of six adults and three youth, and we're currently getting ready to add two more youth to our team as we move into the next phase, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. So thanks for having me. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. So I actually heard a little bit about this initiative a few months ago from a friend of mine, Cat Bear, who's at a church down in Texas. Um, so I, it's funny because she was telling me about this weird thing she was working on. And I was like, 
this sounds wild. And it didn't really, I didn't really connect it all together until I was talking with you, Megan, a few weeks ago. Um, so one of the goals of the Innovation Lab um, uh, that you were talking about is to respond to the needs of students rather than like these great ideas that we have in our head and the needs of the church. Um, so why is this an important distinction or value to meet the needs of students rather than our needs or our church's needs? And how can we discern this in our own context? So I think that this is actually probably one of the major distinctions that makes the theological innovation process that the Innovation Lab leads teams through so unique and so effective. And we all know that there is so much anxiety right now among churches and faith communities throughout the entire country about all the young people, people are leaving the church and you know, our memberships declining, our offering is declining, all of these things that are major sources of anxiety for church leaders. And those are real. I don't want to pretend like those are not real concerns that we have as the institutional church. But what the Innovation Lab posits as one of our big philosophical assumptions is that actually creating ministry that meets the needs of teenagers is actually more effective, it's more transformative, and it's actually a lot more like the ministry of Jesus than just trying to simply attract more kids into the church building, attract more families, attract more money into the church. And what we found actually is that we can test and we can measure the culture of the church that we're working with using something that we've developed called the Innovation Culture Index that actually can look at these nine different indicators of innovative potential. And one of those indicators that is very important that we found in our churches is whether or not a church has a survival mindset. If they're in survival mode of simply trying to up their membership numbers, up their offerings weekly, that church is much less likely to be able to innovate effectively. But if the church instead is really com committed to listening closely and to having a curiosity about teenagers' lived experiences, if they're really willing to empathize with what's going on in today's teenagers' lives, which is different from what was going on when parents were teenagers or when senior pastors were teenagers, even when youth ministers were teenagers, the world has changed so much. So we lead people through phase one of our theological innovation process, which is a really deep dive into describing their community, figuring out what teenagers are doing, what's their daily life like, what are sources of stress or anxiety for them, what are sources of joy, what are sources of goodness and happiness for them in their lives, and what does faith have to do with anything? How important is faith to them? How important is participating in the church? So we lead teen, teen, teams, innovation teams, to actually have those focused conversations with teenagers, with parents, and then with adults who are in some kind of position where they care for teens, maybe they're teachers or counselors, scoutmasters, youth group leaders, you know, things like that. And those conversations make all the difference. Because if you start from the question of what do teenagers need, what problem or pain is happening in their lives versus just a staff meeting on a Tuesday morning in, in the church staff and, you know, the how are we, what are we going to do this week or what's going to come up this season for our youth ministry? Those are two very different starting points. And some youth ministries will be able to come up with great ideas that do meet the needs of the youth that they're trying to reach. But if we start with going to the source, asking a teenager to say, what is it that you need? What are you struggling with in your life right now? Not only is that more empowering to that teenager, but it's actually going to lead us to more effective ministry ideas.
there's a theologian um, named Aubrey Hendricks who says that Jesus had a propensity to to um, to consider people's needs as holy. And I think that, that that just resonates so profoundly for me in terms of what we're trying to help innovation teams do is treat teenagers' needs as holy because that's what Jesus did. And so we're trying to do the same thing. It's amazing. So Andrew, as a lead innovator, could you share what was the need that you discovered for your students? Yeah, so for we, a part of the process was interviewing people who work with youth and also, also youth in the community themselves, not necessarily connected to the church. Hmm. And we found that a lot of young people and a lot of adults see that young people are looking for a few things in our community, which is a place to belong, a place to be accepted, but also a place where they feel like they can make meaningful and honestly radical change in the world. Um, they want to make the world around them a better place, but they did not see the church as a place where this could happen. Uh, what they saw youth group as was just another uh, box to check once a week if they could make it. And they saw it as, you know, by the time they hit their sophomore, junior, senior year, it's just nothing but fun and games for them. Mm. And so there's no, there's no meaning or uh, uh, Dr. Andrew Root talks about resonance. There's no resonance. Uh, that they find in in the church where we are, and so, uh, so in order to meet that problem, our youth had an experience uh, a couple summers ago at a thing called Collide, um, and they wanted to take that experience and bring it here because that's where they did find a sense of deep resonance. They found a sense of God moving and working in their lives, and the actual presence of Christ um, manifests itself. Um, in real ways, in tangible ways for them. And so um, I won't go on explaining what Collide is, but I'll say what the pieces that we found that we want to play with are, if that's okay. Um, so, so really a lot of it has to do with disorienting dilemmas, like putting kids in situations where they experience a little cognitive dissonance, uh, things that just kind of rock their world a bit and shake their worldview and what they experience. And so, and these create these cracks and we believe, uh, and that, that project itself also believes that it's these cracks that God fills in those spaces. Um, and so, and that's through whether it's a, a missions experience out in the community of working with people experiencing homelessness, uh, feeding those who are hungry, those very things. Um, or it could be the fact that they find a river is extremely dirty in their neighborhood and they don't know why. And so they're compelled. Uh, we go and we, we work in those places. And then um, from there, uh, we, we pepper in uh, theology uh, through, through a theology talk, uh, through short theological readings um, to give language to what should be happening in the world. And, and it's, it's through those things that they, uh, over time, we believe they'll begin to articulate uh, God's vision for their community. Um, and the hope is that they're sent out into the world to be agents of change and grace and hope. So that's kind of in a nutshell where we were led. Great. And so what uh, kind of projects or initiatives have youth workers been coming up with? I know uh, from talking to Kat, she said that at her church, one of the biggest needs of her students was uh, the need to fail and be okay with it. And so she came up with, uh, she, ha she had a different project, but 
the pandemic shifted a little bit, which we'll talk about in a minute. And they came up with quarantine craft time, uh, which was just an opportunity for them to make some really crappy crafts and like be okay that they were crappy. <laughs> um, and so that was a really like fun thing. And that's, that was really what kind of sparked um, me wanting to hear a little bit more and, uh, and also sparked some creativity on my end to come up with something called party in a box for our students in this season. Cause I know one of our greatest felt needs is the need for fun right now. Cause life is not a lot of fun. Um, so what are some of the projects that, uh, that youth workers have been coming up with? Yeah, so, so many of our teens in that phase one of trying to identify the needs that they're seeing among teens in their communities, there was so much overlap in terms of teenagers are feeling just an extraordinary amount of high stress, pressure, enormous expectations from themselves, from their peers, from their parents, from other adults, from society. But then we're also seeing that even though there are some commonalities from you know, of teenagers around the country, there's also some unique aspects of every community because the teens in each community are unique. So one of our teens um, down in Houston, Texas, that is a really diverse community. It's in an area of Houston that's very diverse socioeconomically, racially. One of the things that they recognize is that teenagers need a space that is safe outside of the church. They're not all that interested in coming into the church building. So what that team has developed is a mobile youth ministry. And they actually, last week I just got word that they actually were just gifted with a bus so once the pandemic is um, less of an issue, they're going to be working on getting this mobile youth ministry kind of party on a bus to use your, you know, party in a box, party on a bus um, into their community to go where teenagers naturally already are. So they, one of the places that they're thinking about is there's a place where uh, lots of teens come to play basketball. So the idea is to go park the youth ministry bus. They would have multiple different ways that teens could engage with that. So they might have some crafts, there might be some games, there might be some refreshments, you know, like beverages and snacks and that kind of thing. So trying to meet teenagers where they are rather than trying to attract teenagers into the church building. So that's one of the one of the groups that's down in Houston. Um, you mentioned Kat's, Kat's idea. So originally their idea and their recognition of the need in their community was that teenagers did not have much resilience or tolerance for failure. They had internalized this belief that honestly, so many adults also share, which is if I fail at doing anything, I am a failure. Mm -hmm. And so the team that Cat Bear is leading down in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, their idea was fail safe studios. So they were going to have a maker space where teenagers would come with adults and they would learn together how to do something, whether it's a craft or learning how to knit or learning how to play the guitar, they would come into these experiences and the sole purpose was that they would have fun together. There wouldn't be a recital at the end. There wouldn't be a test. There wouldn't be a grade. There wouldn't be any kind of judgment. And the idea being that if you fail, you can do that. And it's safe to fail here. And the idea is that that transforms their view, not only of themselves, but also about, okay, if I fail, I actually am not a failure. I can build up my tolerance and resilience to failure. And then also they were going to couple in the idea of having some adults who have some experience with some of these different crafts and things, but they're not by any means an expert. Mm -hmm. So then having that experience together where kids and adults are failing together and they're talking about it and they're talking about what does this mean? What is, 
what might Jesus say about my, my failure in this and the fact that I'm actually not a failure, that Jesus loves me just how I am and that I belong and all of these different really transformative truths. And then one of our other ideas that we've seen um, in actually a few of the churches is this recognition that instead of the innovation process leading the church team to develop something really tangible, like the fail-safe studios or the mobile youth ministry bus, they're actually looking for culture change at the DNA level of their church. So they've taken our theological innovation process and they're trying to apply it throughout all of the ministries in their church. And they're starting with the youth ministry. And one of our churches up in Kentucky has seen that there's a real need among all the generations within that church for a place of belonging, similar to what Andrew mentioned, but also for some, some real vulnerable sharing and relationship building between the generations. So they've brought in um, a man who's an expert in storytelling. He's won the Moth um, Grand Slam storytelling contest numerous times. So he's actually a member of their community and he's doing storytelling workshops and they're learning together. How do we share vulnerably with one another and what difference does that make in our ability to form relationship? So those are just a few of our ideas um, that have come out of this process, but it's been so, it's been just so encouraging and amazing for, for me as the director to get to watch and to get to coach these teams to develop things that are truly uniquely meeting those needs. Awesome. And then Andrew, what did your group end up coming up with? So we called it uh, Holy Disruptions. Um, and, and it stems from that idea of um, inviting kids into this space uh, where we intentionally kind of disrupt their worldview. And then we uh, get them into places to like talk theologically about what they've experienced and uh, to do that over and over again in different ways, whether it's uh, out in the community, building relationships with communities of colors in Asheville, uh, communities of color in Asheville. Asheville uh, is uh, one of the things we found is Asheville is incredibly white. It's, it's like 87% white. However, um, there's a long uh, history of, of race and of racism in our community. And our team wants to engage with that and engage with uh, those communities uh, and build those relationships and through that journey together. Um, so that's, that's their big, bold idea. But the first steps are building those relationships and allowing um, our, our lives to be disrupted in such a way that um, expands not just our worldview, but our God view and to bring that into the community together. And that's that's the end goal and the hope. That's great. So you guys started this initiative before the pandemic hit, obviously. <laughs> uh, how has this project shifted for youth workers? And what have youth workers learned uh, through this pandemic? So just like everybody else in, you know, on earth, I think everyone's life has just been monumentally um, flipped over and over, you know, upturned in every different area of our lives, right? So, so one of the things that we're finding is that it's no surprise that everyone is innovating in every area. We've innovated in the way that our kids are going to school. We've innovated in the way that we are going to work or not going to work and staying home and working. We've innovated in the way that we're building community with our own friends and family to try to meet that need that we all have. Um, and so what we've learned from this process is that A, from just a logistical standpoint, our teams are not able to move as quickly through the innovation process as they were pre-pandemic. 
everything in their lives, everything in their ministries has been upturned. And so there's necessarily some, there's some grief that's associated with that. There's some returning to, returning to some of those phase one, phase two, phase three aspects of our theological innovation process to say, is this need that we identified pre-pandemic, is this still a need? And if it is still a need, is this idea that we've developed still going to meet that need? Because the world has changed, right? And obviously the way that our teenagers are able to gather with one another or to come into the church building, all of those things is, have changed. Um, so what we've learned is actually that the theological innovation process, and this is something I'm hearing from youth workers all over the country who are engaged with us, is that that theological innovation process is providing some scaffolding for how to how do we even approach doing ministry right now in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of all of the chaos and the challenges and the pressure from other church staff and the pressure from parents and the real heartbreak that we are feeling about the challenges teenagers are experiencing. I would imagine everyone is aware, right, that we are experiencing mental health crises at a level that we hadn't pre-pandemic, that the pandemic has just exacerbated issues and strain and challenges that were already there. So we're learning that our youth ministers who are engaged in this process have started to um, diversify where they're applying the theological innovation process. They're using the tools that they've gained through our process to, to be able to assess in their ministries, what is it that we need to be doing right now based on what is it that teenagers need right now? And that's a really different, again, that's a really different approach than we could say of, you know, you could just lay out all of your prior pre-pandemic youth ministries out on a platter and say, which ones are still possible based on the fact that we aren't allowed to, you know, to meet in big groups or we can't use the church building except on Sundays or we can only meet outside. And you could just kind of go through and just check mark, well, we can still do this, we can still do this, we can still do this, but we can't do all of this. And that's one way you could approach pandemic ministry. But the more fruitful way, we would argue, is to actually say, you know what, we're going to take a pause. We're going to talk to some teenagers. We're going to talk to some parents. We're going to talk to some adults that are in relationship with teens. And we're going to say, what do you need right now? And how can the church, in some ways, go back to basics to do relational ministry in new ways? How can we be meeting those needs? And Andrew actually had a really great perspective on this that he shared with us a few weeks ago. Yeah, one of the things that I found in the midst of this, um, and I, I said it at our last lead innovator meeting, was the the fact of the matter is, is we still have our idea and we would still love to, to do that. But right now, um, the only reason we're still able to do youth ministry here at Central is because we are, are constantly going through all of those phases of the innovation lab uh, through phase one, two, three, and four. Uh, and, and it looks a lot like a practical theological kind of process, you know, it's idea of like, what's happening? Why is it happening? What should be happening? And then what can we do? And for us, um, we, we've switched gears several times, but because of that youth ministry is still thriving simply because we, we live into, um, all of the things we've learned to do through the innovation lab. That's great. So Andrew, can you talk a little bit more about how you guys have shifted gears because of the pandemic? Yeah, so like everyone else, we decided to do Zoom at first. You know, it felt like uh, early in March, there was, I, I mean, I wish I owned stock in Zoom. There was probably a Zoom <laughs> rush, everything we did. So we just took normal youth ministry and put it online. 
And that worked for a while while everyone was in stay-at-home orders. But now the world's kind of tried to go back to as normal as possible. Um, but there's still a lot of needs of our kids. And we heard from families and parents that they, they really were uh, tired of Zoom, um, tired of being on a screen, and we're looking for uh, real in-person connections. And so uh, we, we shifted gears, and the first thing we did was meal deliveries. Um, and we just said we would email kids and, and families and say, what do you want? You can have anything. You know, I have a budget that can support that since we didn't do summer trips. And we delivered uh, food to over 90 kids uh, between my intern and I. And that was the Amazing. first thing. And then yeah, it was a lot of driving, a lot of traffic but incredible uh, time sitting in front yards, uh, visiting neighborhoods that I've never seen before in my city. Mm -hmm. um, it was the most inefficient but best ministry I've done in a long time. Um, and, then the, and then after that kind of fizzled out, like everything does right now, uh, we shifted gears again and we decided to do things called pods where we have several pods set up around the city where we do socially distanced, student-led, uh, small groups outside. Um, and so we, um, so we, we've just started doing that. And then to tag onto that, uh, one of my coworkers and I are starting a thing with not just youth, but with adults and youth. Uh, so kind of expanding youth ministry a bit called the common table, where we will take tables and heaters to houses and front yards and sit socially distanced and do table liturgy, eat a meal together, and finish with communion. Mm. And so that's, uh, so those are the big projects we have going on in our church now, because we found that people still want to gather, not just to hang out, but to have meaningful worship and faith formation experiences as well. That's great. I miss communion. Like, that's like, that's like the thing. Ugh, got a, a lovely Methodist heart that loves communion, so... I know we've been doing drive-through communion and we've started uh, small groups up again. And I was uh, leading another leader small group while they were out and we walked through drive-through communion because it met at the same time. We're like, well, we can't get into someone's car because COVID, but we'll go walk through <laughs> drive-through communion. And it was the first time I had communion with someone besides my husband uh, since, since March. So, so, you know, this, the name of this is called the Innovation Lab. Uh, Megan, can you talk about why Innovation Lab? What, what is uh, the reason for the name? Yeah, absolutely. So innovation has, in many cases, kind of become a buzzword, right? And just like any other buzzword within the, the church, capital C kind of world, ministry world, it can be seen in what I would say is kind of an inaccurate way, can be seen as this like silver bullet, next great solution to like magic your way to having fruitful ministry. And I think that that's, in some cases, that is how innovation is treated. But from our perspective, innovation is something that we do. And, you know, that word is one that we use because we are created as people of faith. We are created in the image of a creating God. And so God calls us to be creative and to think differently and to try new things because that's exactly what God does. And so we do that. We, we expand our imagination. We invite innovation teams to expand their imaginations because that's what God does and that's what God's doing in each of our lives. 
And then we also like to say that we focus on needs and that's the main, you know, kind of the main focus that we bring to the first phase of the innovation process because that's exactly what Jesus did. And I love the story, you know, one of, there's so many illustrations throughout the Bible of, of the way that Jesus did that in his ministry. And one of the ones that I like to draw on often is Jesus's encounter with Bartimaeus, who the text only refers to as a blind beggar who calls out to Jesus and the disciples and the other people in the crowd, you know, try to shush him and say like, no, no, he's too busy for that. He doesn't have time for you. You know, he's not, that's not what he's here for. But instead, Jesus calls Bartimaeus over to him and asks him that question that literally changes Bartimaeus's life forever, which is, what do you want me to do for you? In other words, what do you need? And for us, we think that that, that right there, that makes me, like, that gives me goosebumps to think that that is exactly the opportunity that we have through the Innovation Lab, is to look into a teenager's face, or in this case, look across the Zoom camera and say, what do you need right now? And how can the church, through our, our call as people of faith, and our call as not being just a church building, but being a church as the body, we're called to innovate and to try to reach teenagers in new ways. And I think that that makes all the difference. So that's, that's that name. And we've tried to really harness, you know, the word innovate back away from just being a buzzword because there's a lot, frankly, there's a lot of conversation about innovation right now that's not leading anywhere. And so we are uniquely trying to move people towards actually doing a new thing rather than just talking about the new thing and talking about the potential of innovation. We're really trying to get people to enact it. So it's, it's, an, encouraging, it's an encouraging process for me to get to be a part of and to watch Andrew's team in Asheville and all of our other teams around the country as they're really doing the work. Wow. And what, what's been cool is that Megan, just to piggyback off you, is that innovation for us at first was this really intimidating word. It was this idea that you have to come up with something that will sell, right? Like it's the next big thing. But for us, innovate just means figuring out how to do ministry that meets the needs of our community in a, in a, more, in a, in a very real and better way than what we were doing. Uh, and I think that's been one of the greatest gifts to our church. I actually, that's one of the questions that a lot of people ask all the time is, do I have to be an expert in innovation to be able to participate in this? And my, my answer to them emphatically is absolutely not. What you need to be open to and being an expert in or to have a learner's posture about is empathy and curiosity and question asking and, you know, deep listening because that's what it takes to really be able to enter into the perspective of a teenager. And that's, and then from there, those innovative ideas and that creativity just starts to snowball. So it's not, you know, we, we say to our teams all the time, it can seem intimidating, but actually we try to say early and often, that is the least of the concerns. If you can be empathetic and be a good listener, you have absolutely all the potential that you need. I think that's a little different than how we might classically define innovation. Because when I think of someone who's a great innovator, I think of someone who's a driver, who's a, like a really strong team leader, who might be very assertive, um, who is kind of on their own creative. Um, but the way that you guys have redefined innovation is it's not about the great ideas that you have. It's about how do I respond to the needs of others and curate what it is that they need. And so it's definitely a, a 180 uh, look at what innovation truly is um, and I think very challenging and humbling for all of the youth workers listening because uh, in this season 
of COVID, uh, we can no longer rely on our good ideas, our gifts, the things that we can do fairly easily. We have to uh, re-engage empathy. We have to do uh, things that are as simple as sitting on someone's lawn and chatting with them um, because those are the nuts and bolts of youth ministry. And even for those of us who have found ourselves in maybe larger churches where we don't interact with students as much, what the season has offered us is an, is an opportunity to do so because we're kind of getting at what is the root of youth ministry, and that is empathy and understanding youth and uh, what their needs are. So I think this is a really great project and I'm very thankful for the work that you guys are doing there. Yeah, thanks Heather. It's been, it's just been such an encouraging thing to watch the ways that even some of our really seasoned youth ministers have, have talked to us about the way that this is retooling how they approach their ministry. Because we all know it's so easy once you've, once you have kind of built up your wheelhouse of ideas and projects and initiatives that you have and gifts and skills that you have as a leader within your community, it is so easy to just kind of reside in that space and to get comfortable there. But then 2020 has introduced to us just a lot of disruption in the form of this pandemic that has actually challenged all of those things that we were finding comfort in and have asked us to think, you know what, actually let's take a step back. Let's take a pause let's reassess what is what is actually the priority right now. And then we think that that's really asking that question of teenagers, what do you need? And how can the church help meet that need? So yeah, it's a, it's a challenge and it's, it's uncomfortable. And we're really excited when our youth ministers and our lead innovators get uncomfortable because that's when the work and the Holy Spirit really, really get down to something new. That's great. So I know that you're going to have a resource uh, that you've developed uh, to share and we are going to put that in our information box. As we wrap up, there is a question we love to ask. And, you know, we're the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. Um, mostly women are listening. We hope we have some bros listening as well. Um, but what advice or word of encouragement do both of you have for the women who are listening? Andrew, do you want to go first? I just talked a lot. It's funny, you mentioned Cat Bear. Cat Cat and I work together in Fort Worth and um and she's probably one of the strongest youth pastors I know uh because she owns it and she is I she's she's I am the number one youth minister and so my encouragement it's, to it's women an in eight youth energy. Ministry, yep, it is that eight <laughs> it's energy. the eight energy. <laughs> Sorry anyway. It's, is to own it. You guys are the best youth ministers. Um, some of the most um, fun I've ever had was working with female youth ministers. And also some of the most challenged uh, ways, the, some of the ways I've been most challenged is by female youth ministers. And so I appreciate all your contributions that you've made uh, to our churches and know that you're killing it. Thanks. I would totally echo that. And I, I think that a word that for me has resonated when I was working in the local church when the pandemic started and then transitioning into this new role and just watching my friends who are in ministry, particularly women who are in ministry, who, you know, as parents, if they're, if they're parents, right, we know the statistics are bearing this out, that women are bearing the grant again of the emotional labor and the household labor even as they are continuing to work full-time jobs and be inside the home and schooling and all the things 
And I just want to tell every, every woman who is in ministry, I want you to know that you are doing enough. And even if you're not doing what you were doing pre-pandemic, it is enough right now. And Jesus meets us in the midst of the muck and all that's going on and the chaos and the challenges. And Jesus would say that over you as well. So I, that's something that I need to hear, that I need to be reminded of often, that I am doing enough, even if it doesn't look exactly like what my life was pre-pandemic. There's a lot going on right now. And for us to oversimplify and say, just like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and everything's going to be fine and this won't be forever. We actually need to take a moment to lament and to grieve what has transpired in the last six, seven, eight months. Um, and to remind ourselves early and often that we are enough and that Jesus is meeting us right in this space as well. That's great. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, being on this episode. We're going to link to CYMT in the description box and um, including this resource. Do you want to talk real quick about this resource, Megan? Yeah, I'd love to. So phase one of our theological innovation process is all about describing your community. And one of the activities that we have our innovation teams walk through is actually interviews with teenagers, parents, and adults in that community. So we've put together a pandemic version of that interview guide that we give to all of our innovation teams. So we're making that available as a free resource for listeners. We're going to have it on our website, um, cymt.org slash innovate. And then I also want to invite you all, we're going to do an online event on October 27th from 10 to 1130 a.m. Central Standard Time. And that event is going to be interactive and online as we give an overview of the entire theological innovation process and the ways that that resonates, particularly in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we would love to have anyone, um, you know, anyone that's listened and anyone that you know that might be interested in that, the more the merrier. So that's happening on October 27th from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Central Standard. And all that info is available on our social media, CYMT. It's CYMT training, so the T, just one T though. So CYMT reigning on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. Awesome. And we'll get that linked in the description box. Look at that uh, linked on our Facebook group as well. Thanks guys so much for being on and thanks everybody for listening until next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate us five stars and follow us on Insta or Twitter at women in YM. If you're a woman listening, we'd love to have you in our Facebook community. Visit womeninyouthministry.com to learn more.